0: Like I do feel like what is this? Guinness? Oh, that was Guinness. Uh, You just put like paint on his paws. That's low key dope, bro. Guinness
1: went to like um one of his friends' birthday party, and he had like a bunch of shit set up for them.
0: You're talking about this dog like it's a person. He went to one of his friends' birthday parties.
1: It it is a he's a person.
0: What do you mean? What? (laughs) What? He has friends, dog. His friends. What? He has followers (laughs) on Instagram. (laughs) <laughs> it's a dog welcome 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 to our first saturday special edition of the summer 16 podcast as always man it's your boy john bowie and i'm here with my dog toonday normally we get to see you guys every every Wednesday, but in light of all the things going on in the world today, we had a lot of stuff heavy on our hearts, and so we wanted to kind of continue the conversation this weekend. As you can probably anticipate, you know, on today's episode, we want to take a little time to discuss all the different shootings of unarmed black Americans in this country but also kind of open this up for a dialogue to you know talk with each other engage some of you guys out there who's also been dealing with a lot of the same things and hopefully come out of this feeling a little bit stronger feeling a little bit wiser and try to find a little bit of of hope maybe and take that away how's that sound to you dog uh, I'm good with that, dog. So, you know, let's let's get straight into it, right? Um, we want to start uh, by talking about a few of the events, not just George Floyd just yet, but there's been a lot of things going on in the country, right? You know, several episodes ago, we were pretty heavily into the Ahmaud Arbery case. But one of the ones that kind of got... Lost at least in terms of our conversations publicly on the podcast um, is the case with Brianna Taylor. and so I know you're familiar with it, right? Oh yeah, yeah, so just for those who might not have heard or or, or it's not as publicized, Brianna Taylor was an EMT in Louisville, Kentucky who was shot and killed in her home on March thirteenth uh, by the police who were doing a drug investigation. Um, This story is quite alarming um, for many reasons, but most notably, as the story is reported on in the news, um, the police entered her home looking for a suspect who, in fact, was already in custody, and they were completely unannounced. Living in the neighborhood that they lived in, um, somebody's kicking in your front door guns, you know, guns drawn, uh, her Brianna's boyfriend, Kenneth Walker fired his gun in self-defense because the police did not announce themselves. And he thought someone was breaking into his home, which in Kentucky is his legal right. Without, you know, understandably. So guns are firing everywhere And uh, Breonna Taylor was actually shot eight times by the officer's weapons and died. Um, And so similar to a lot of the cases that we're going to talk about today and a lot of the ones that people are aware of, it's completely inexcusable. And in her case, they've even went as far as to hire uh, the same attorney that is representing the Arberry family in her case. And was I was I leaving anything out man?
1: Uh n- no, I think that that's about it. Uh I think there's the details that are pertinent. Uh yeah.
0: You know, the the last thing I think, you know, just to really drive it home is, you know, during the time that the shooting occurred, you know they're they have basically the wrong address for the person that they're looking with looking for and the actual criminal in question was already in custody somewhere somewhere else and so they're breaking they're i don't want to say breaking into the house but they're you know busting into this woman's home everyone's startled understandably with the state of the things state of things in this country the boyfriend you know, is acting in self defense and now an innocent woman working as a critical work as a critical worker is now dead as a result.
1: Uh I just want to add that they did take uh Kenneth Walker into into jail and arrest him for his role in it. He's out of jail now, but mm-hmm. I think that, that's just crazy to me that you can be at the wrong house, kick down the door
0: unannounced.
1: I mean yeah unannounced. You get shot at. Yeah. And then, like, in like, Kentucky, like, come like, on, you man! Said, your legal right is to. If somebody breaks in your house, because we've all seen uh, this defense work very well for white people, the the castle doctrine and the uh, Stand Your Ground. So he's within his legal right to defend his home, but now, you know, as a result, he goes to jail, and. Um, Brianna, Brianna Taylor's
0: dead. Yeah, so and so hard. this all happened. the The article that I'm citing right now was from you know May 12th. So you know a lot of this stuff came out about two weeks ago. Around the same time, there was a lot of talk about the Ahmaud Arbery case. Um, and so we just wanted to make sure that for the those listening that this wasn't lost in all of the uh, conversation as we go forward. And so um we're not done so i'll I'll let you kind of go over the next couple and you know most notably george floyd as well so you got it dog all
1: right so i actually found out about this next um story um the same day i found out about george floyd so actually that night and it's, i think this is one of those stories that hasn't really gotten a lot of Attention, And I think we're going to kind of talk about uh, why that is a little later on. But this is not a case of, you know, police officers killing a black person or even a white person killing a black person. This is um, a case of domestic violence, actually. Um, and one thing that I have noticed is that when it comes to. Who we as a people get behind, it's it's always kind of slanted towards uh, black men, and black women don't always get the the support that that they deserve. Because if you look at True. the movements, it's, it's it's mostly the movement is mostly comprised of you know black women. Mm-hmm. So um, this is one reason why I think it's important for us with, with our platform to kind of um, share this story. Um. So this this was this past Sunday, um, in Orangeburg, South Carolina. I'm, I'm reading this article from uh, the Daily News, and it uh, it says that a South Carolina man fatally shot his ex-girlfriend and two of her daughters. She had four daughters before killing himself in a jealous rage over a recent trip that she and her daughters took to the to a, the beach with a another man. So. Uh, basically, as she returned home, um, the um, the man was uh, following following her, and uh, his name is Gabriel Jordan. He they were, he followed her from the beach, and as they returned home, uh, they uh, uh, Shante Singleton and and. Gabriel Jordan had an argument and basically they were like on and off again, boyfriend, girlfriend. And she's basically said, I am, you know, I'm breaking up with you. And that should be that. If somebody says, I don't want to be for you anymore. You know, it may hurt, but cut your losses. So he decides, he decided at that point he's going to strangle her or try to strangle her to death. Crazy. So as he's, as he's strangling her, um, Sh- Shantae's youngest daughter, who is 12, Tre- her name is Treve, like, kind of jumps on his back ca- trying to get him off his her mother, and he turns around and shoots her, killing her. And then, yeah. then he turns towards uh, her oldest daughter, who's 18, her name is He shoots her as well, but she doesn't die immediately. Uh, he shoots in the arm, and she runs to the neighbor's house to um, to get help. So as this is happening, he then chases he then chases another daughter, Essence, into the house. And like the like the eighteen year old sees that, and that that gives her time to like to escape. And police later on found her body inside the house. So at this point, I'm I'm a, I don't know all the details because you know. Um, they don't publish all the details. I'm assuming that Shantae is basically out of it at this point because she was being strangled. Like being strangled at this point. So by the time the police got there, they found the 12-year-old's body, the, the 15-year-old's body, Shantae's body outside, and also um, Gabriel Gabriel's body as well. He committed suicide. So it was a triple murder and a um, a suicide. So, as I said, I read this story um the night of just dealing with everything surrounding George Floyd's death. and uh, it was just so sad to read to read and like hear about this like over over nothing. So
0: <laughs> yeah, so this is this is basically how you started your day um yeah. with just a, an absolutely horrific sort of thing you know and we're not going to really dive deep just yet but you know one of the things that kind of stood out instantly um, hearing about it myself in the midst of all this other stuff is you know in the in these covid times just the terrible psychological things that are happening to families and, you know, people, right? Like I I can't quote a direct statistic, but, you know, it has been reported that, you know, the instances of different domestic violence and domestic situations has drastically shot up. And so it's hard for me to like see this as horrific as it is and not think that there isn't some of that factor in play here. You're right.
1: For sure. Just like, you know, throughout the normal like calendar year, you also see spikes in domestic violence during the holidays as well because people yep, are frustrated, people are home more yeah. around each other, so it's mm-hmm. uh, it's just so sad to, to read um or yeah. hear about yeah. um so yeah. that was like you said that was how I kind of started ended by well ended my day when I first heard about George Floyd and then kind of started my day with those same feelings um. And then I want to kinda of talk about uh, the situation. I think by now, if you haven't if you have been living under a rock, you've heard about George Floyd and, you know, his murder. But I'm going to kind of go through some of the uh, details about what happened. So uh, first, George Floyd, uh, he's from Houston and. He moved to uh, the Minneapolis area about six years ago because he wants like a fresh start. He, This article, post, the New York Post, um, take it with a grain I am I haven't really fact checked this, but they said he had some previous scrapes with the law. I don't know what that means, but uh, he moved to Minneapolis for a fresh start. And apparently uh, the police were called um, as somebody was trying to pass off a fake $20 bill at a, at a deli. And so they said that um, the clerk at this place called um, Cup Foods, it's like a deli, they, they called the cops basically. And then they said surveillance footage from a nearby restaurant showed that police arrived shortly after 8 o'clock, and they approached the minivan uh, where Flo was sitting with two other people and, um, as they approached, as they approached the vehicle, um, the police say, and again, I'm saying this is the police's account of what happened. And, um, to be honest, I'm not inclined to believe a lot of things that police say, but they say that as they approached the vehicle, they shined the light inside and they asked him to, to step out of the vehicle. And there's a brief struggle before he got out. And then uh, they said moments later, Florida is seeing handcuffs on his back, behind his back, and he's being led to the side of the building by two of the police officers. And then at that point, he's uh, speaking to the officers, but doesn't appear to resist. And then a second police vehicle arrives. And uh, if you've ever been in over by police, like I have, and you, you see one police officer or one car, and then you're like, okay, this is bad. But then you see a second car pull up, and
0: Boy. you already know, mm.
1: like, th- that is the worst feeling ever. Um, uh, it's happened to me a couple of times, and yep. I literally was not doing anything wrong, um, or maybe I was. I was, you know, a couple miles over the speed limit, but still, you, you never know what type of interaction you have. Police could, you know, could be your last interaction. Period. Yeah. But, um, so then it says surveillance video across the street shows him stumbling and falling. As the two officers lead him to the waiting, oh, squad car. So, the video doesn't. The, the video from the restaurant doesn't really show everything that happened, but um, they show the body cam footage. They, they released the body cam footage. The Minneapolis um, police, but it's been heavily redacted, of course, at this yeah. point. Um, but w- what everyone is is kind of. Um, uh, The video everyone is seeing is taken by, is taken by, um, uh, some bystanders. So, um, basically there's an officer, Derek Chauvin or Chauvin, and he's basically, he's kneeling from from the point of view of this video. It just shows him, but he's at the side of a a car or vehicle. And he's kneeling with his hands in his pocket with his neck his knee at the side of george floyd's neck and uh again this video this video not the one by the body cam, was shot by um a woman named darnella frazier and she was just a bystander and uh i want to point out that, that derek chauvin the police officer uh this article says he's been subject to at least 10 prior conduct complaints over his 19 years in the force, but has never faced disciplinary action. Like, uh, I think we talked about this off air, but he's, um, he's been cited as uh, having at least three um, police-involved shootings. Um, so, it's, this article says in this span of nearly four minutes, Floyd can be heard telling police officers at least a dozen times that he can't breathe. And action show him to take his knee off his neck. So imagine at this point, he's, he's handcuffed. So there's no point. Yep. There's no reason for him to have his knee in his neck. And it's, it said at this point, bystanders, including the grocery store clerk who initially called 911, uh-huh. pleaded for the officers to let Floyd get up. Now, imagine how you feel like you're like, okay, this guy's a fake $20 bill. My boss tells me, call the police. And someone tries to, you know, pass off a forgery.
0: Yeah.
1: You call it, please, and now, now this man is dead. Yep. Um.
0: Yep. Now, and and then, and so we're gonna get to this a little bit later. But you know, as, as you're describing it, the the officer was shown there with his knee on his neck, but there was two other officers like on the other side of the car. One still restraining him, the other one keeping everyone back, and then another officer that showed up on the scene, right? Like, and so. Yeah it's another thing for me it's like yo y'all are 3 almost 4 grown men restraining one dude you know what i'm saying like who's already handcuffed. but you got who's already handcuffed but you have to have a a, a death a blood choke on this guy cuz you're you're cutting the circulation off to the brain for several minutes and as you as you see in the video um it's like what the fuck? Um, so, uh, really quickly,
1: I just, to finish this out, or just like the details of what happened, uh, he says, you know, please, I can't breathe. And then one of the cops is heard saying, uh, get up and get in the car. Like, how are you going to get up and get in the car with my hands and knee in your neck? Yeah. But, um, he then, Floyd responds, I will, but I just can't move. Then he stops moving altogether. Then police said they call EMTs This article says police called the EMTs around 8.30, and they arrived in six minutes to find an unconscious and unresponsive Floyd, according to the EMS chief. um, Paramedics and police eventually flipped Floyd over while he was still cuffed, placed him on a gurney and into an ambulance, where the responder released his hands. Uh, Their decision to load and go, rather than to triage Floyd on the spot, was likely based on their race against time. Uh adding that responders were likely unaware of how severe the situation had become. Despite medical officials reportedly spending an hour trying to revive Floyd, he was pronounced dead at the local hospital at 925. So less than 90 minutes later, he was pronounced dead, which is probably less than that because, you know, they spent an hour trying to revive himself.
0: For sure, yeah. So
1: So you call the cops on the man, and about an hour later, he's dead yeah so that is um what has happened that that's like i guess the just what's happened now since then there's been lots of um i don't like the i think i forgot who said this i think it might have been mark lamont hill but he he said he doesn't like the term riot he preferred the term rebellion because it's this is not in response to just nothing like this is in response like unjust system. So there's been lots of rebellions and um, lots of other, other um, things have, have happened in the wake of um, George Floyd's murder. But yeah, so that's what we have, you know, within the past week or so or two weeks.
0: Did you want to talk any about some of the um, specifics um, about the the aftermath, right? Like you alluded to the riots, rebellions, as you'll call it. Um, were there any other things that you wanted to kind of add, right? I know there was a few yeah. things with yeah. universities um, and stuff, yeah.
1: Yeah, so in response, which I thought this was uh, something pretty good, um, the president of the University of Minnesota he um, released a statement, and I want to try to read through it really quickly. Uh, it says, um, it's from Joan Gable, and it says, Dear students, faculty, and staff, our hearts are broken after watching the appalling video capturing the actions of Minneapolis Police Department officers against George Floyd, leading to his tragic death. As a community, we are outraged and grief-stricken. I do not have the words to fully express my pain and anger, and I know that many in our community share those feelings, but also fear for their own safety. This will not stand. Today, I'm announcing two immediate changes regarding our relationship with the NPD. First, I have directed Senior Vice President Brian Burnett to no longer contract with the Minneapolis Police Department for additional law enforcement support needed for large events, such as football games, concerts, and ceremonies. Second, I have directed University Police Chief Matt Clark to no longer use the Minneapolis Police Department when specialized services are needed for university events such as canine explosive detection units. We have a responsibility to uphold our values and a duty to honor them. We will limit our collaboration with the MPD to joint patrols and investigations that directly enhance the safety of our community or that allow us to investigate and apprehend those who put our students, faculty, and staff at risk. I write to you to express our overwhelming sadness and our demands for accountability and justice. Our campuses and facilities are part of the communities in which they reside. University students, staff, and faculty are day-to-day participants in the life of every community in this state, and we must act when our neighbors are harmed and in pain. My heart is heavy, and my thoughts are with the loved ones and friends of George Floyd. Let our voices be heard, please take care. Joan Gable. So I thought that was a very powerful and appropriate um, action taken by University of Minnesota. Um, so that's how one leader, you know, kind of, kind of uh, reacted to, um, kind of reacted to uh, George Floyd's murder. Um, so as I said. As I said, there were uh, there was uh, unrest and rebellions um, surrounding um, George Floyd's murder. So another leader, um, well, I don't know if I even want to call him a leader. Um, <laughs> the the president of this of this country. Uh, I don't have the tweet up because um, it was shared on my timeline on my. On my story, and actually can't pull up his uh, tweets because I haven't blocked. But he basically called the their the people rebelling in Min- in Minneapolis uh, thugs, and said that uh, that the Democratic leadership in Minnesota was weak, and that he was going to if they don't basically do what they're supposed to do, he's going to uh send in the military and uh I guess restore order. And I think his his line was uh something like if they loot then then we'll shoot. Basically threatening to shoot um uh US citizens, using the military to shoot unarmed citizens.
0: Um let me here, I I have it I have it okay. pulled up here. I can I can read it here. Um so one of his tweets, one of his tweets uh, writes, I can't stand back and watch this happen to a great American city, Minneapolis. A total lack of leadership. Either the very weak, radical left mayor, Jacob Frey, get his act together and bring the city under control, or I will send in the National Guard and get the job done right. These thugs are dishonoring the memory of George Floyd, and I won't let it happen. I won't let that happen. Just spoke to Governor Tim Waltz and told him that the military... Is with him all the way. Any difficulty, and we will assume control. But when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Thank you.
1: Yeah. So I thought that was interesting because uh, this same month, when when these protesters for the for the um, social distancing or quarantine across different states showed up to state capitals with their with their AK-47s and mm. their assault rifles. Mm. Um, he called them very good people.
0: Talk about it.
1: So you can protest, you can protest not being able to go to a restaurant or getting your head cut with, you know, heavy artillery and they <laughs> and you're good people. But uh, on the flip side, people who see an unjust uh, basically, execution in the middle of a, of a, an American street. When they protest, it's it's uh they're, they're thugs. I wonder, you know, what the what the difference is between the two. Uh, yeah. So those are, I guess, two of the the big things that that has happened so far. Um. Oh, one thing I did want to point out is that uh. Two days ago, there was there was an um, there was an officer. There was an officer who who uh, who was caught on camera, and he uh, was breaking glass windows in in uh, Minneapolis. So he was a he was a Saint Paul he was a Saint Paul. Um, He's a St. Paul police officer. So if you're not familiar with uh, the Minnesota area, St. Paul and, and Minneapolis are two cities like within, a, I, I would say like a 20, 20 minute drive from each other. So they're two very large cities, and they call it the, the Twin Cities. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he's a St. Paul police officer who uh, basically had on um, a gas mask, but you can still kind of see his face, and he has on he has a baton those the batons that police officers use to, like, you know, beat people. And he's walking by in, in residential, not residential, and commercial businesses and breaking a bunch of windows. So he's inciting a riot.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So basically that can um, justify the use of force of, uh, by other police officers. So I think that's also kind of fucked up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um... And and I have been seeing I, I can't necessarily cite anything right now, but I have been seeing different articles of people talking about how um, there is this conversation being had around, quote unquote, undercover police um, going around and doing ex- kind of exactly what you're mentioning, inciting riots and things like that, so that there is legal uh, recourse to use. You know, violence oh, yeah. to so quell I the storm.
1: To, I wanted to say, I think it's important to kind of say these people's names. So the police officer, his name is Jacob Peterson, of the Saint yeah. Paul Police Department.
0: Yeah, and then yeah. the
1: last, the last thing I wanted to just touch on is, uh, is I personally took offense to, to a. So I, if you are new to the show, I live in Seattle, Washington, and Seattle is a, for the most part, it's a, it's a progressive, it's a progressive city, uh, except for kind of, I wouldn't call it as progressive by race, because it, it still is a very white city. So, yeah. um, there, uh, a friend of mine, uh, friend of the podcast, Chaz, he shared a, he shared a video with me, uh. Three days ago, about uh, a substitute gym teacher and a. Bruh. I already know. I already know what you about to say. A substitute, a substitute gym teacher, who um, basically went on Facebook and mocked and mocked. Uh, he used. I guess he's a substitute teacher, but he's also a uh, wrestling coach, and he. His thing was, let me show you that uh by someone's gonna put a knee in my neck and he's like looking at the camera and smiling and has like the thumbs up and says, Well, this is as you can see, this is this isn't killing me. So obviously George Floyd dying is because he had, I guess, some prior some prior health condition. And we're gonna
0: we're gonna come back to we're gonna come back to this because we we're gonna have a whole we're gonna have a whole series oh, yeah, so. of these stories and these series events, but yeah. So, um,
1: um, so as as social media does, they found uh, they found his they found his uh, his use just his picture. Uh, they found his name, who he worked for, um, the, the school district for which he the school the school district for who he worked for. So his name is uh, David Hollenbeck. And uh so I think that being an educator in in Washington and uh, the school that he worked for being literally like about 20 to 30 minutes from me uh, seniors who he influences could very well be you know in my class come fall so I think I think that it would I took upon myself to write a, a, uh, a an email to the principal of that high school to explain Good, my feelings.
0: Yeah. Good.
1: Um. Uh. I'm not gonna say that it's because of me he got fired, but he did get fired.
0: True. Sure. Um.
1: Because I'm pretty sure that that principal and those that school district has gotten thousands of emails. So, um. Yeah. So that's that's all I have uh, for the f- kind of uh, fallout surrounding uh, George Floyd's murder.
0: Sure.
1: So, so what are you like? What are your thoughts on, um, on, wait, did you, did you watch the video?
0: Yeah. So, um, those two questions, right? Like, one, yeah, I, I did end up watching the video. I saw the one from the bystanders. After, after seeing that one, I, I didn't. Have the desire to watch anything else? Honestly, like it was kind of enough for me. Like I don't know if it's because you know seeing this story play out before or just it. It's exhausting. But you you know when you ask how I'm feeling, um, it's a good question. Uh It's. It's. We were talking about it off mic, right? And let's let's kind of unpack this, right? Um, It's one of those things where you know you and I grew up in you know very different communities, right? You know me and what I like to describe some a quasi military family where you know we were living near military bases. A lot of the communities were very diverse and. You know transient people are moving from all over the world all over the place all the time and the only thing that i kind of sit back and take is right i obviously have my experience as a black man in america uh, but i also you know find myself having a very diverse set of people around me a diverse set of friends around me and when you start to can not start right but you continue seeing all these different events and stuff and the responses from them like it really does something crazy psychologically such that the world that I thought or the world that I thought I lived in is, is warped. Um, And then I think about everything going on just in the world. Anyway, it's like, man, like this is COVID-19. Like most places are on quarantine. Most people are in the house have been this way for 70 something days in a lot of places how the hell are police still running up in people's houses shooting them dead out on the street you know putting neck chokes like there's some places where the police aren't even arresting people be like homeless people and stuff because oh like you could have covid and this is a national pandemic we're going to write you a citation and once all this stuff kind of if it's a non violent thing once all of these things kind of come to pass, we'll come back and get you later. My man's, if if it, I heard Forge checked, I heard Forge money, like, this is a non-violent crime, but you're gonna come over here, put your knee on his neck, and kill this man, like, that's, you're supposed to be socially distant, you're not supposed to be, like, bothering folks, right? Like, I can't wrap my head around any of this shit, uh, and truthfully, I'm almost... I'm almost just paralyzed or numb to it, if I'm being honest. And I, and that's the maybe it just hasn't hit me yet because I process things slow, but that's kind of where I'm at. Where, what are your initial sh- feelings? Like, you usually don't watch these kind of videos. Like, where did you start at? We're going to, we're going to have to work through a bunch of shit, but where um, did you start? Where did you start at?
1: Yeah. So I think the last video that I watched was, um, I came not the last video I watched, to be honest, because I told myself a while ago that I was, you know, done watching, you know, videos of, of Black people dying. <clears throat> Something, I'm going to tell you what happened. I I was shared, I mean, my friends have a, you know, a text group in Seattle, and the link was shared, and, the, and someone was like, have you seen this? And I was like, the the link had the article in the name, and it said, "Black man says I can't breathe." And I'm like, "What?" I was like, "Is this like an old this this old video, this this old video old? of Eric Garner?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this can't this can't happen again. Like this has to be like this, this has to be something not it's not what it is, right?"
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So
1: so once I opened it and started watching it, like it was like you know a train wreck. And you couldn't kind of look away. And I'm I'm sitting there watching it, and like the look on on uh, Derek Chauvin's face. First, first, like if if you're an officer, if you're anyone, and you feel endangered, yeah, you can learn a lot by watching body language. This man has ha- has had his hands in his pockets. If you feel like you're in danger, you're not going to have your hands in your pockets. Facts. And like, he literally has his his as he as he has his neck. His knee on his neck. I'm just like, I, I'm just imagining how uncomfortable that is at first, and then I'm I'm hearing like the the black man and the white woman who are like kind of like kind of sh- screaming at this officer like just let him like get just get his knee off his neck. And then like yeah, you have, like this other officer just like looking around like there's nothing to see here. Like just step on the sidewalk. You Step on the sidewalk. Bruh. Like like Bruh. to me he's just as complicit as the other three officers. Yep. And as I, as <clears throat> as George Floyd loses loses consciousness, like I start to, because because based on the title, I already know how this ends up. So I I get this heavy feeling like in the pit of my stomach, and it's just like dread. And and I just I start getting first I'm angry because I'm like yo. I just wish somebody like. I wish, like, Lawrence Taylor could just run out of nowhere and just, like...
0: And just drop his just ass. Just <laughs> form
1: talking this dude into the car and, like, and just fuck him up, right? But I know that's not going to happen. And if it did happen, like, the officers would have probably would have just shot that dude. And they would, like, it felt like they would have been justified. But then, I like, I go from, like, anger to, like, this feeling of dread to just extreme feeling of sadness. Because this is something that, we, like... We've seen all too many times. Like, oh, the last video I saw was um, uh, was Austin Sterling. Oh wow. Um, like you can like in this in this country, like you can like the value of life is just it's like nothing. Or the value of some lives. Some
0: lives. I'm about to say some lives is nothing. Yeah.
1: Like how many, like, like how many people like really just have to just die on camera in the streets, and I follow, I follow on Instagram. I follow this account called um, called Black History, and I think that account does a wonderful job of, of you know, just whenever something happens today, of doing a a great job of, well, you know, this. This isn't new. This is what happened in in 1963, or this would happen in 1940 whatever, or this would happen yeah. in 18 whatever. So two weeks ago, I posted, I reposted one of the videos of uh, the riots that happened in Miami, where um, where a man who uh, I guess his he was like a former um, a former army officer served this country, comes back, you know, uh, has a decent-paying job, has a family, and it, all this, I say this, like, it shouldn't matter, like, what you are, you, you, like, you can be, like, the most despicable person, no one deserves to like, to die. So, like, he, he, uh, like, doesn't signal to get over, I mean, to, t- to change lanes, gets pulled over, uh, words were had, officers, there were at least 10 to 12 officers who took turns, like, Pushing each other out the way to beat this man to death with their with their nightsticks. Split his skull in two. So he then he he, he dies. Officers are acquitted, of course. City city of Miami burns. This is the '60s. Like, yeah. the, like riots have been happening for I don't know how long in this country. And to be honest, like I'm not I'm not mad at, if if somebody wants to riot. I'm not mad at them. Nope. but after watching that video the feeling that I felt um I, just, I just imagine I just imagine me watching like my like my brother or my come dad come on. On, on man on like being killed and this this video being circulated around the, around the world over and over and over like this is my family. And and you and you took his life for what? Even if he even if he did it, he took his life for what? A fake twenty dollar bill. This man is dead now. So at this point, like at first, like I said, I was angry. I had I had feelings of dread. I was extremely saddened. Like I wanted to cry so bad. But. I literally watched i literally watched that 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 video maybe 10 minutes before i had to i had class now now i gotta sit there and act like everything's okay
0: talk and about then, it bro and then, talk and about
1: and, it and then log into zoom and, and 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 talk about genetics no that's that's that's
0: that's the perfect kind of segue because, you know, one of the things we wanted to talk about is not just our own feelings, but um, like just all the stuff that's happening around us. Right. You know, we're recording right now on Friday. OK, this is, you know, afternoon time. Stuff is happening all the time. Like my phone is blowing up with people texting me about protests here in San Jose. Right. Even before we started recording, you heard. All the cars outside driving by honking because I live next to to City Hall, and you know they're you know raising awareness to the stuff that's that's happening. Um, But it's it's a Friday. Yesterday was Thursday. The day before that was Wednesday. This is these are regular days, and it's so mind boggling to me that for a lot of people, you know, you and I are acutely aware of what's going on and you, we have to do exactly like you described. I need to wake up. I need to go to my meeting in the morning and, you know, talk to my boss and, you know, have a good attitude and, you know, uh, be engaged and be energized and act as if the world around me, as I perceive it is not burning. You know what I'm saying, Doug? Like, it's 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 crazy. It's a different type of hell. It's a different type of hell. And
1: I don't know. Um. So that kind of, that can kind of lead us into. Um, the next thing I wanted to kind of talk to you about, about, like we are we're expected to just, like I said, act like everything is okay and go on about business as usual. And if you follow me on social media, you know, like I, uh, I'm, I'm very comfortable sharing my opinions and I don't care who, who's offended by them. I, I don't go all my way to try to offend people. Um, but I speak, you know, I, I try to speak my truth. Yeah. So, you know, with, you know, Amon Arbery, I talked about that. With Breonna Taylor, I've shared articles about that. Um, with um, Shantae Singleton, I shared articles about that. With George Floyd, I've talked about that, and so forth. So it's just, I've, I find it interesting that people, depending on what I post, because I, I post, I don't just post about things like that. I post a lot about running. Uh, I post, uh, we used to play, you know, PUBG a lot. I used to post yeah. about that a lot. Like, I post different things. So,
0: Call of Duty. I, <laughs> Call of Duty.
1: I just, I just find it interesting what people choose to interact with, what posts I post, and what posts they just, just skip over. Like, I'm going to give you an example. Yesterday, uh, as a form of self-care... I decided to you know repot some of my plants and um also uh take a lot of them outside and thoroughly water them allow them to drain before taking them back inside so i shared, i shared some pictures of maybe 10 of my plants maybe and i just found it amazing how many people kind of like oh that how like how what size is that pot or what kind of plan is that? And um, can I have a clipping of one of those plants? But then, literally after those like six or seven posts of my plants, I made a post about uh, what Donald Trump said, and yeah. I basically, basically, I said, you know, fuck this country. To be honest, yeah. Uh, I just found it interesting. Like there was no engagement on
0: on that post um, no. and <laughs> no, it's, and it's all it's funny too right because even as you're looking through your stories you're like oh man my running post 300 viewers oh my plants 340 viewers and then it's like oh my what about the president a hundred viewers no reactions no no comments nothing like like oh we're, uh, y'all got real quiet real fast fam like
1: and I, I wanted to kind of talk about this this notion of, of of white silence. So you talked about like how you grew up
0: well well before before we even do that right like there was another social media thing too that that was kind of interesting to me that caused a lot of backlash and I wanted to to pick your brain on it real quick is that all right? Yeah, so that? yeah so you remember um the the tweet from Michael Porter Jr.
1: Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes, so yes. let
0: me let me let me let me let me drop something real quick for you because you had said something earlier that kind of um, triggered me as well. So this is going to all fit together, right? So just a little background for everyone listening: Michael Porter Jr. is a professional basketball player. He's biracial as well. Just to add that fact in there. Can we, um, let me say biracial. Can
1: we, can we add in the dynamics that was. Of him being biracial,
0: like which black dad, was. black dad, white mom, I believe. Okay. I, I think it's important. But okay, important. sure. Um, that being said, so he sends out this tweet. Um, I want to say it was two days ago on Wednesday. Okay. As much as you pray for of uh, the George family, gotta also pray for the police officers who are involved in this evil. As hard as it is, pray for them instead of hate them. Pray that God changes their hearts. Now, before you go in, okay, um, there is something that I can't, I don't know if I could say struggle with, but constantly think about, and that's this idea of forgiveness, right? And you look at, you know, forgiveness in different communities, and it's almost like an expectation dare I say, a privilege to be given forgiveness. Okay? What are you talking about, John? Well, you had talked about, you know, on your social media thing, like these cases from the 60s where you got police officers beating black men to death and all this other stuff. But, you know, we could even go back to something like Emmett Till, right, who makes a comment to a white woman you know what was the KKK comes beats him to death to the point where his own mother cannot recognize him and then years later the woman comes out and says, oh well that story is not exactly true or that story is not really you know accurate like she lived her whole life carrying this this lie that got a innocent man murdered. Well, you look at all these shootings of unarmed black men and these police officers. And it's like, you know, it's so interesting how quick people come out like Michael Porter Jr. And are like, Hey man, like, you know, we need to pray for these guys. Like, you know, this is an evil and blah, blah, blah. Like we need to show them love and show them compassion and all that great stuff. Forgive me Toonday. day. Maybe it's a little too fresh. Maybe it's a little too raw. Um, but I ain't got it right now. And, you know, to anybody that can have it, well, maybe you're just better than me, but I ain't got it, my guy. And, you know, God forbid something happens like this roles reversed where, you know, it's an instance of a black man doing something to someone else. I don't see no fucking forgiveness, my G. I see that people get I see people getting buried under prisons. I see people being put back into a modern form of slavery. Well, that I don't see no rehabilitation. I don't see any love. I don't see any compassion. I don't see any forgiveness for those people of color who have made mistakes. Even in the case of George Floyd, fuck it. If he did have a a criminal record, ain't no compassion for him. Ain't no empathy for him. My man is like, oh, that that's a forged check. That's a forged $20 bill. Knee on neck, you're dead. Like, wh- where do you stand on that idea of forgiveness? Where do you stand on that, honestly, as I see it at this point in my life, that privilege that is to be forgiven, not just by someone else, but by society?
1: Um. One, uh, fuck Michael Porter Jr.
0: Like
1: <laughs> fuck, fuck that, fuck that, and fuck him. Um. So I'm I'm gonna. So you know you know both of John right, the one yeah. the man who was yeah, killed yeah, yeah. by Amber Geiger, bro. That that come on, G. Right, like so she, you know, if you don't, if you're not what? aware. Black man uh. sitting in his, in his in his own apartment eating a bowl of ice cream. Uh, white woman says that she thought she was in her apartment. Then she thought, because it was her apartment, somebody was just happened to be sitting on her couch. So she just shoots this man. Come to find out, it was actually his apartment, and she kills this man in his own house for no reason. She gets gets charged, fired, I think, sentenced to something something that you know only a police slap officer would get that, slap basically. on the wrist. Basically, it was less than ten years. So so during the sentencing phase of her trial, um. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh Bolton John's brother basically says that you know wants to give her a Bible. Says you know I forgive you. This is what my brother would have wanted. And that you know, to be honest, I have no problem with that. Like if that's what you need to move on and get that hate out your heart, as this man's brother, what can I say? Yeah. Now, now if it was me. You killed my brother. <laughs> like, like Man, I, I wish I wish only the worst for you in life, and even after.
0: But
1: uh, I can't I can't tell someone how to feel about their family. Now what I do have a problem with is the judge in that case stepping down off of her bench, going to Amber Geiger and giving her a hug. Yep. Ma'am, what are you doing? Like you no. you have like you, you you like you're in a in a position that you're supposed to be impartial. This is not showing this is not showing impartiality. It's not.
0: Nope.
1: I bumped that up to say say this, Michael Porter Jr. You don't know no one in this case. Don't tell uh, people to pray. Don't tell people to pray for for someone who's evil. Like black black people have always asked to forgive, always. Yep. Why do we, why do we always, always had to turn the other cheek? Like, like I forget what case this was. It was because I wrote. I've, I wrote a blog about a blog post about this when I used to have a blog, and it was just about this exact topic. Uh, a man was killed. Uh, a man was killed unlawfully by police officers. Uh, they had the press conference. Um, the mother very distraught, she's crying. and I related to, when I wrote the blog post I related it to to my mother because first thing she did was start was started quoting when she got up, we started quoting Bible verses. That's something I feel like my mother would, would do. If you know, if the police killed me and they asked her to, to to speak, she she would fall back on what she knows, and that's the Bible. Yeah. So, after she finishes talking, the reporters, the first question they asked her, "Do you forgive the officer?" I like think. Yeah. Uh, let's say she let's say at some point in her life she can come to that. Why is that the first question you ask? Do you yep. forgive him they murdered her son and you're asking can can you find your heart to forgive him why are you so quick to ask for black forgiveness is it because you feel guilty obviously that ha- it has to be the reason why
0: i mean white guilt isn't a term out of nowhere but you know
1: yeah but uh michael Porter jr he can i I'll, you know what i'll pray for Uh, I pray pray for all four of those officers to spend a long time in jail. That's what I pray for.
0: Man, you know, Tunde, this, this, this is like something that really racks my brain, right? Like, you know, I truthfully do consider myself a Christian, right? And we've talked about it, you know, like I definitely think of myself as much more of a spiritual person than a religious person. And you and I kind of agree on that to a certain extent, right? Like, yeah, and... I'm also a huge believer that your relationship with a higher power is your relationship and it don't got to be for everybody, all in everybody else's face and all that other stuff. Right. So, you know, as a self-identified Christian, I can look at Michael Porter's tweet and say, "Okay, I think your intentions were good. Right. And, you know, I struggle with, you know, wishing ill for anyone ever. Okay, I, I struggle with it. It's not that I don't do it, I struggle with it. Um, But there's two things that kind of stand out to me. One one being just the complete tone deafness of the tweet, right? Like that could be a feeling that you feel or a, a sentiment that you want to express. But at a time when there is really nothing but hurt, you know, anger and, you know, frustration around it. Ah, uh, maybe you want to hold that one in your back pocket, pimp. You know what I'm saying? Let's let's kind of let people grieve and work on things in their own right. You know, like I, I, I don't instantly say fuck Michael Porter Jr. right personally, personally. But when you say it, I'm like, eh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not nothing wrong with that. Um, the second thing is. You know, more so like around that idea of how or, or not how, but let's be honest, why are so many black and brown people Christians? All right. And, you know, even in a lot of my own reading and my own learning and developing, you know, there is a very valid question that's been posed such that why are oppressed people so content following the religion of their oppressors? Do you understand what I mean when I say that?
1: Uh, definitely, I do. Um,
0: and and, you, I think- and when I see stuff like this, like this, it would be like the exact reason why, right? Like, it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to give you this good book and tell you to... to turn the other cheek and you know when quote unquote master is you know given the whip it's because he loves you and you know you know don't worry if your life is shitty now because in the afterlife it'll be all good and so uh, you're and you see what i'm saying
1: yeah like the bible or the bullet, basically um yeah personally i if i if i were to i grew up christian yeah and if i were to if i were to categorize what i am now i wouldn't I wouldn't categorize myself. I do. I don't think that I am Christian anymore. Um, okay. I I still do believe in God, um, but there's there's just no way I can find myself supporting or being indoctrined by a philosophy that w- the same philosophy, mind you, same as that, you know, verses and and parables that were used to subjugate people that look like me. Yeah. Like, and and just and following that, I'm just I just I just can't come to grips with that. But one thing I want to ask is, all right, so it's it's fine to pray for the officers who 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 killed George Floyd, right? Um, Do you remember in 2016 uh, when there were like lots of protests around the country around the killing of Austin Sterling? in Baton Rouge,
0: yeah,
1: and then yeah, Fernando, Fernando Castile also in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I don't know if you remember this, um, but there was a man named Micah Johnson who said, "You know what? I'm going to take Madison in my own hands," and he decided to ambush and kill uh, five police officers.
0: And then, that was uh, that was Buddy in Dallas, right? Yeah, yeah, Dallas. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you you know you know what I I didn't hear. <laughs> uh let's 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 pray for him i didn't i didn't i i don't think i heard that not one time from anyone let's let's pray for this man like he must he must be going through something right like, i mean those officers are dead now but you know but we I mean, like we should pray for him
0: hey man like you know you, you don't know his struggle you don't know what he's going through man like he could be sick he he needs nah none of that none of that do you hear those horns in the background do you hear those yeah. cars home yeah, yeah. I think that's all the people like protests getting cracking downtown. Um, but yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right, dog. Um, it is, it's literally like like I I don't know. It it really seems like it's a another privilege to me. Just the idea of to be forgiven seems like a privilege, because. It's not extended to everyone. That question about, oh, do you forgive? Someone? That's not asked to everyone. You know, I never in my lifetime will I have a judge hop off a bench and come give me a hug if I were to do something wrong. And I've been in front of judges before. I've been in front of judges before. Like, they, they ain't give a damn about me. It oh, wasn't shit. for nothing crazy. I just want to put that out there. But still, I was there. <laughs> I showed up, like, I remember talking to my parents, and they're like, yo, fam, like, you need to show up with a, a damn near suit and tie, like, make sure your hair is cut, and you need to be yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full. Like, don't go in there with no half stepins. and maybe, maybe they'll be nice to you. You feel me? Shit. Come on, G. It's, it's a fucking privilege. I, I'm convinced. I've just convinced myself just now. Being forgiven is a privilege. And being expected to be forgiven is a privilege because not everyone is afforded that luxury, not by society and not by others. Shit. <sighs> but I, I, you know, I just needed to get that get that side step off. Um, you know, you are you coming back with some more heat. Uh, and it's another thing that I think we need to um, kind of talk about a little bit, you know. And it was that idea that you had um, stated, you know, as white silence or just, you know, people's <laughs> another privilege or luxury to be ob- ob- oblivious to everything going on. Right. So uh, I'm going to kick it to you. Where are you at with it, dog?
1: Um, I think we kind of talked about this at the top of the show about like our different backgrounds and yeah. how, you know, you were like a military kid. And like, you moved around and you have like a very diverse range of friends. So you, you're kind of used. And you also went to two like, pretty big PWIs.
0: Yeah, very um, big. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you kind of, um, not used to, but you've been around large groups of, of white people and like sat in class with them and interacted with them. Mm-hmm. Now, me, on the opposite, I think I've stated this on the show before. Uh, I lived in a black neighborhood all my life. Well, the neighborhood I grew up in, when we first moved there, it was actually about 50% white. But, you know, white flight happens. You know, people, black people start moving in. Black yep. people move out. And then yep. by, by the time I got to high school, my neighborhood was basically all black. And so that that means that my high school, uh, I, I think I looked at my, lat, my yearbook last year and they had the demographics listed in my senior yearbook. And my high school is about 96% black my senior year. Uh, I went to two HBCUs for grad and undergrad, so like my, my first interaction with kind of um, other other cultures, I'm not saying other cultures, other uh, being around white people was my uh, first fellowship at NYU, and then from NYU mm-hmm. I went to to I moved to Oregon, which is definitely
0: <laughs> white, a, like a white, <laughs>
1: like a white, you know, just. Like tundra,
0: wasn't and it? Wasn't wasn't Oregon like founded as like a white safe haven? Like that? Yeah, was... It, it was a
1: free. It's a free state, but they had like yeah, laws yeah, yeah. saying that black people couldn't work there first, or black. People, I'm sorry, black people couldn't live there. So right, like, right, right. It was like a sun. You've heard of a a
0: sundown city? It's
1: a like a sundown sund- city. Yeah, like don't get caught in that city after sundown.
0: Oh, I mean, dude, uh, I was there. End of last year, and they were talking about how, like, Shanghai and how you know Portland was like a huge part of their culture is just basically the modern slave trade. Yeah. Um, not to so, derail you, but yeah. yeah but Shout but, but out Portland, to it's it's I think it's for a while, it,
1: Portland was one of the is like the largest uh, by percentages white city in America. Yeah. But anyway, so then from there, I moved to Seattle. So, but it wasn't until I moved to Seattle where, like, I started to kind of more befriend. Not, I'm not, I'm not gonna use the word befriend; that's a strong word. I um, I started hang around more white people.
0: Ooh, so, okay.
1: I, I will call some of them my friends, but like not every. Like, if you like, like, running joke, some of my friends in back home had it's like, today all you do is whatever, not white people, and I'm like, yeah, because it's a run club, and it's and I, you know, I run with it's better not better it's you're gonna run with who you're around right yeah, exactly so seattle's yeah. a, a white city so um i do run with some of my black friends but not you know all the time
0: and there's not so, as many that run either true it, exactly i mean and and we've talked about it on the podcast too right it's not that you don't want to run with black folks i mean you started the run club which was primarily for black folks while we were living in portland you know what i'm yeah. saying like it's so the efforts there but you know uh I, I I know where your heart is and you know you're yeah. you're around people and it's like yo know, they 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 cool and then you know if you do end up getting the title as a friend well that comes differently right but yeah, you Yeah know, exactly. You also uh, I'll let you keep going but I have my thoughts on that too. Yeah. So, so
1: because of running I follow not not just people in Seattle but people all over. I do follow a good amount of uh, white people because Oh, like, oh, you're, like, especially, like, people who are are famous, uh, like, Like famous athletes. Like, you're big into this culture. Like, you're one of, like, the top runners. Uh, So, of course, I'm going to see, like, what you're doing, especially, like, if you post, like, oh, this is what I do for my warm-up. I'm going to try to do that, too, so I can, you know, like, get better as a runner. So, what I – one thing that bothers me is when I see white people who – are very interested
0: in our culture in black culture like in, in black, black culture people. yeah
1: okay like now is this, music. is this
0: yeah is this just white people or would you say no, this no, is also no. like
1: other cultures as well
0: okay 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 like, okay
1: if you're if you're if you're asian if you're if you're white if you're if you're like, like yeah if you're if you're hispanic so What bothers me is if I I know for a fact that they're into our culture, like, oh, you like when you post music, it's always, you know, a rap song or an R&B song or you're like, you're really into, you you're or like, I have like all the Jordans or, or uh, like, I'm into, oh, like, let me post this, this, this. This paint, this painting of, of Basquiat, and yeah. show so that I'm cool and I'm down for the culture, or whatever. Right? Look at this, but,
0: look at this meme I found on black Twitter, face says.
1: exactly. But then when situations like this occur with with senseless murders of, of black people, like you don't post shit all of a sudden, it's like, let me post uh, my meal for today, or I'm not gonna post about anything black, but I'm gonna post about just you know, let me divert or let me retreat back into my culture. and You know, wait for you know things to blow over so I can start posting about you know the the new baby song again. Like, like that that really bothers me. And then to bring it back to interactions, I talked about like my like my plants. Like, don't hit me up about just random running shit or or plants or whatever. And then you see me, like like I said, I've posted a lot this week about my feelings about just be being just tired in general. And I can imagine you seeing me running like you might just slide up, hit the little fire emoji. That's that's cool. And the next post is me like I'm just tired of living in this country. I can imagine you hitting like the skip the skip the skip button.
0: <laughs> skip. That's what I that's what I imagine
1: in my head. Like facts. Yeah. Don't like don't just pick and choose within black culture what you want to um interact with. Or don't, or don't interact with me if, if only when it's convenient for you, or only when it's not, only when it's comfortable for you. That's why I don't like.
0: Um, I mean, what what do they say? Like everybody wants to be a a, a nigga, no, uh, but Paul no one yeah. wants to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Mooney said it. Yeah, yeah. Everybody wants to be a nigga, but nobody wants to be a nigga, man. Like, it's it's one of those things where I think. You know, black folks are one of the most imitated, impersonated, you know, sought after group of people in the world. But when it comes to the true black experience, like, ooh, ooh keep that part of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, ooh, I don't want to, you know, and maybe I'm maybe I'm side sidetracking again. But, you know, there's so many things on a daily basis that it's such a, it would be such a, It'd be so nice to not have to worry about, you know, Tunde, wouldn't it be nice to have woken up this week and not ca- feel like you're carrying the weight of all of these stories that we're describing? And then you could focus on your running and your business and, you know, growing yourself like it would be such a goddamn John, privilege. We, like
1: before we started, I literally just told you, like, I was like last night I slept seven hours.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I took a two and a half hour nap, and I I still feel like I can sleep eight hours because that's how physically tired I am right now. Yeah, and it's yeah, and it's not it's not for, for like because I've been exerting myself physically. I didn't run yesterday. I have not run today. I'm just like it's just taking a toll on me physically and mentally. Yeah, and the, the crazy thing is you sent um because we're in a, we're in a couple of text groups together, but you sent one to test school for other friends of um a video of Jane Elliot and
0: um yeah all the video I sent the other day
1: yeah I think I'm going to go ahead and kind of insert it if people people can actually hear what's going on Dog, I'm gonna do to, that I'm gonna insert it you know into this uh into this podcast and then kind of you know whatever but she she basically talks about how she's sitting in the room full of white people uh, if you don't know Jane Elliott, she's like an older white woman, and she asks the room, um, stand up if you would like to be treated how uh, black people in this country are treated. And then everyone kind of looks around, and she's like, maybe you misunderstood me. Stand up if you would like to be treated how black people are treated, and no one stands up. And she's like, that tells you everything you need to know, because that means you know how black people are treated, because you don't want to be treated like them, so you know it's wrong. Yeah. So what
0: are you doing to like Bro to, to stop that Hey, That video hit different bro I was watching that like It was, it was so real you know Cause it, it's not just It's not just like oh no 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 I'm happy with my life da, da, da. No it's that you do recognize That there one is a difference Right better or worse you recognize That there is a difference And then it's like It was so plainly put that it's like Well you see there's something going on Right like Who's going to actually say something? Who's going to actually join the conversation? Who's going to actually, you know, be there for someone who doesn't look like them when it's clearly so easy for all of you to not do anything, right? Kind of going back to, you know, our, you know, white silence kind of conversation and, you know, as you kind of alluded to how, you know, you have, you know, I guess more in your later life befriended more people of different races and stuff, um, by and large, uh, you know, my experience is different, you know, like I grew up, you know, and I, I, I have, you know, friends of all different races, colors, creeds, whatever. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if I alluded to it earlier, just in my own sort of feelings or my own responses, but, you know, this idea of, Truly, like you know, I lived in a world and saw things through one set of glasses, and it is uh, unsettling. I think would be a good word to kind of see when things like this happen. Who's who are the ones that really show up, or who are the ones that really care to engage or to try to understand someone else's experience? Right. Um, I look at I look at the conversations that I have with people, or how some people are just so comfortable being like, Oh, that happened. Oh, that's, that's crazy. Like, you know, whatever. Crazy craziness. I was talking to a really, a, a, a pretty good friend of mine and we, they had just watched the first episode of Watchmen on HBO. Right. Yeah. You remember that? Yep. And you know, for those who haven't seen it, like, you know, one of the, the things in the story is that, you know, they show the, the bombing of black wall street in Oklahoma city. Right. And so we're. I'm talking to him about it at work. I'm like, yeah, man, like, watch me. That shit's like good as hell. Like, it's crazy as fuck. Like, and he was like, yeah, like, you know, they bombed that whole place. Like, that was so nuts. And I was like, yeah, it makes you look at America differently. Right. And he was like, what do you mean? Basically saying I like, had no idea that that was a real thing that happened, like that. This is a real event and was just like, wow, this is, you know, fiction. This is, you know, this would never happen in this country. Right. Um, Now, to be fair, like, I love my friend to death. And you know, I for people that do care, um, for people that do care, like I I have a higher tolerance for having conversations when you're, you know, sometimes ignorant to things. But there's also a lot of people that'd be like, oh, that was crazy, da, da da da. Like, oh, didn't happen to me. And then just continue on. And then that's where, you know, the line starts to be drawn where it's like, uh, you like me, you know, you think I'm cool, but you know, it's that it's that same conversation where people are like, oh, no, 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 I'm not racist. I have a black friend kind of or, you know, it's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, you know, I, I hate when black people always want to say that the police are da, 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 da. But no, 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 not you, John. You're different. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, no, you're, you're, you're different. It's like, mm, nah, I don't really work like that. And so those are the more the conversations and the types of people that I steer away from. Uh, but also, you know, sometimes you don't know those things about people as you get to know them, right? And it's sometimes it's easier just to surround yourself with people like you. I'd like to say, you know, you should be able to surround yourself with like-minded people, but yeah, in the world we live in, that's so much harder to find. Um, and so that's kind of my kind of take on it. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? I guess on that, or
1: on the white silence? Uh... No, just. Do better, uh, not saying that it's up to you on an individual basis to kind of solve you know institutional racism and uh, discrimination, right. but you know if if you have a black friend, it's okay to say, you know how are you feeling is you know, do you want to talk about anything or better yet, if you know that you have like friends and family who are you know, themselves racist like it's up to you to confront them like it's not i shouldn't have to like black people shouldn't have to do the heavy lifting around this because essentially black people are the victims of racism yeah so it's not up to us it's not up to us to end it
0: maybe maybe this is a tough question to kind of just put you on a on the spot but you know is there anything that you would suggest to anyone who is not a person of color how they could go about facilitating a conversation like that, even if it's just with you, right? Like, is there anything that you think would be effective? I mean, because that's honestly just the start, right? Like, yeah. sometimes, sometimes all you want to know is that a motherfucker cares. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, hey, I, honestly, so
1: I, yeah, to say, hey, I heard, you know, I've been watching the news. I saw what you know what's been going on. How how are you? Or yeah, how, man. How's
0: your how's your how's your mental space? Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and you know, I I think I think you know even especially around the Ahmad Arbery stuff, and even more now. Like you know, I had a friend, I had a, a friend of mine that you know I hadn't talked to in probably like three or four months. Like you know, actually, he's up in Seattle. Um, you know, shout out to my guy. Uh, you know, and hadn't talked to him in a long time, but he he just kind of hit me out the blue, just. Hey man, like I know we haven't talked in a while, um, but you know with all this stuff kind of going on, like I know you've been active. Like I just wanted to reach out and say, you know, I don't understand necessarily what's going on, but you know, if you wanted to talk about anything, like I, I feel for you, man. Like you know, boom. And honestly, that like, that kind of it touched a, a real one. You know what I'm saying? Like I was like, damn, that was that was big of someone to do. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. like, he might not ever fully understand my experience, or you know whatever it is, but like just to have that level of awareness of the world and of yourself to just kind of at least say like hey man like I don't get it but you know i'm, I'm I want to try yeah i'll I'll take that all day um sorry I did answering this just, just a to make question, but yeah
1: I mean just to to understand
0: that you're aware of what's going on and you're not oblivious
1: to like like my my existence or my feelings towards you know, towards like the, the the continual like sensory overload of of seeing or hearing about just these senseless killings.
0: Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah, I I guess that's maybe that's one thing that we can say, like, because you know we do have you know a a di- a, ver- a diverse audience, right? And so um, maybe they can take something out of that as well, right? Uh, yeah. And you know, if you don't want to text us personally, man, shoot an email. Shoot an email to the show. Why not? We'll we'll uh, we'll hear you out if you if you care to hear our opinions. But um, yeah, so I think we we've kind of covered that. And so the uh, the last kind of thing we had, right? And I think this is kind of what we'll use before we close up. You know, is really just the question of like, you know, like how do you view this country, man? Like, what now, right? Like where. Where do you go from here, Tunde?
1: Um.
0: So one thing I will
1: say is, as a part of protecting my my mental my mental health is, if if you're listening, if you listen to this podcast and you listen to my old podcast, uh, NWP, the running joke was that. I am in like fifty groupie groups, and I am I am in a lot of groupie groups of different you know different topics. Some are sports or fitness related. Like I have like three or four fitness groups. Uh, Some are fraternity related, like just our fraternity members in it. I have like five or six of those. I have some that are all black Greek letter organization related. I have just city wise, but anyways. Having conversations with people who who, in my opinion, are who they they argue not with the sense of or the or the angle of understanding, but they're arguing just to get a reaction out of you. Oh, we. I don't. I have I have problems with that, and I felt like that was what I was encountering this week. And two of the topics that kind of touched a nerve with me was one, the topic of good police versus bad police. So in a couple of these groups, I do have, there are police officers in these groups. And Mm -hmm. so I think people in these groups are kind of, uh, they tiptoe around this conversation. And like I said, I am not one to hold my Mm -hmm. tongue. So I um I say what I feel and the second kind of topic was black on black crime. so those are two okay. things I wanted to touch touch on, which um which made me realize that as as a kind of a protection for my mental health, I basically mute muted and hid all of my grouping groups, except for the ones that are centered around fitness um just sure. those those. In those groups, uh, there's no politics talk. There's no current events talk. It's just fitness. And sure. so, like, you asked me what these people thought about any, anything in the group, I couldn't tell you. Sure. So, um, that's one thing that I kind of took from that. So, um, I don't know if you wanted to kind of touch on those topics or not.
0: Uh, well, yeah. No, I can um, you take minutes, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. No. Um, you know, and, you know, we can continue to like look at some of our differences, right? Like I grew up in a family with several people in law enforcement, right? Like my dad is in law enforcement. My mom, I would now consider is in law enforcement. And even my aunt, you know, was a, uh, she's now a retired Chicago police, police officer. And so, you know, I have a very intimate relationship with several people that um would know some of the people or, or have interacted with people like the folks doing some of the things that are, are happening in this country. And, you know, I, I've seen very intimately the sort of fraternal I think that's the best way to really describe it, the sort of fraternal relationship. I mean if do that, have an
1: organization called the Fraternal Order of Police, so
0: Oh, well, there it is. That makes sense then. Um, But, you know, you really see that sort of collectiveness in this, like, all for one, one for all sort of uh, mentality. Um, And how do you, like, putting myself for a second in, like, the shoes of, of not a civilian, like, how do you navigate that? Like, when you see someone who is doing wrong or has the potential to do wrong or... You know, how do you self-police that, right? I think that's something that all groups struggle with. And something where your life is on the line, you know, it the stakes are so much higher and it, it is incredibly hard. By no means am I excusing anything that happens, right? Um, and, and, you know, truthfully, I could be very critical and say, like, you know, it's equally just as much as their fault for allowing somebody to make it to a position where they can do someone else harm. Um, you know, but I, I don't know if I have a firm understanding of it for myself at this point, um, but it is, it's hard to see both sides when, you know, what I'm saying like your life is on the line, it's hard to be empathetic when it could have been me, you know? Um, but you know, also at the same time, you know, you alluded to the fact of like, what if it was my brother who, you know, was in that situation and you had to watch that video. Well, like, you know, what if it was my aunt who was one of the police officers in a video like that, right? Doing her quote unquote job. Like, I think that'd be pretty fucking hard to see too, man. Is that, is that, is that crazy to say? I mean, maybe, but Um, it is what it is. So... Okay. <laughs> uh, both of us are just like. Both of us are just like. Where do I go with that one? Okay, yeah. so
1: I understand that. I think we kind of talked about this off air, but like, as a police officer, let's say you're quote unquote one of the good ones, and if you kind of turn your back, or not turn your back, but like kind of. Blow the whistle and say this officer here has been, you know, doing this and this and this, and they get arrested. And or they, how how can the next officer trust you in the field and when they are supposed to watch your back? I get that. Like being an officer or yeah. uh, or being in the military, it's a very hard job, but it's still a a job that you signed up for. Sure. Like I I did not sure. I, I could not be a police officer. One, because um I don't agree with the profession myself. But but two, like I'm not I don't feel like I'm gonna put my life on the line for someone else. So I know I know my strengths and weaknesses, right? So okay. I'm going to read to you the the oath that police officers take. Oh wow. Um I wait state your name, do solemnly swear. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same and I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me, according to the regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So help me God. Um, So talking about So support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. So let's look at the let's let's take a look back at the video that we saw. Uh, mm. Could you say that as a citizen of the United States that George Floyd had constitutional rights? Yes. And could you, looking at that video, say that his Rights were being impeded. Um, I'm, I'm not an expert on the Constitution, um, but uh, I believe that there is an amendment in the Constitution that um, surrounds that uh, surrounds uh, unusual uh, punishment. Um, so I would say that you know, I going to ask you, do you think that that basically suffocating somebody to death over a forged 20 dollars bill would violate someone's constitutional rights.
0: From my understanding of the Constitution, I would say that that would be a violation. From my understanding. And, And the duty of police
1: officers is to protect and serve the community in which they protect and serve the community in which they live or work in. So, if you know, if your job is to protect and serve the community, and you see a police officer Doing something that is that violates the Constitution, that is violating this man's civil rights. It's your job to um, it's your job to to intervene. Uh, not wait until you know I'm going to get back until until the, the precinct and say something to him or. Um, or, like, provide a statement. But if you see this man's life is in danger, then you should, then you should you know, do something. So, like I said, I live in Seattle. Uh, Carmen Best is the police chief of the Seattle Police Department. She's a black woman. Uh, she released a statement. And I kind of want to read part of her statement. Um, she's talking about the... She wants to address... Uh, the murder of George Floyd, and she said, uh, the video is upsetting, disappointing, and infuriating. It does not show the policing we know. Policing is an honorable profession filled with honorable public servants. We are committed to protecting life and serving the community. Because the the Seattle Police Department's high level of training, our commitment to de-escalation, and our track record of limited use of force, I have the confidence that something like this will not occur in our city. And I do not agree I don't think that she should have said that because
0: yeah those words might right. come back
1: those words might come yeah. back on her. But
0: yeah.
1: um as a police officer you have a sworn duty to uphold the law and do what is right. We prioritize the sanctity of life in every situation. If you see a coworker doing something that's unsafe out of policy, unacceptable or illegal, you need to act. This goes beyond reporting. It's someone's life If someone's life is unnecessarily in danger, it is your responsibility to intervene. We each have a right to go home at the end of the the day, but we also have the responsibility to ensure that others enjoy that same right. We must hold ourselves accountable if we are to maintain the trust of the community who grants us the privilege to serve them. So that's part of her statement. I want to kind of point it out because that's my exact feelings on the good cop versus bad cop. As we said um Derek Chauvin, he's had o- almost twenty, um, I guess, uh, violations in his personal on rec- his pr- professional record, uh, limited like not limited to, to sh- different shootings of unarmed Black people, uh, different uh, civil rights abuse claims by citizens in Minneapolis. So, and after all those stains in in his police record. He hasn't been disciplined one time until now when he got fired. So it, take, it takes one or two police officers to kind of step up and say, you know, this is wrong. Maybe if somebody would have stepped up in one of those prior incidents where other people also have died, perhaps George Floyd's alive today. And I understand that officers feel it's a whole fraternity thing. And officers feel like, well, if I if I say something, then I'm not I'm going to be on, on the outside of the group. So let me ask you this: This is a question that was kind of put forth. Um,
0: you're going to ask me this? You're asking yeah, you're asking me this? I'm asking okay. you this. Yeah. He
1: you, you said the police officers are like a fraternity, right? Okay. We're in an actual fraternity, right?
0: Okay. Oh, uh, here we and, go.
1: And fraternities also, to be 100% transparent, a lot of fraternities have. A uh, initiation? No, no, not initiation. When it comes to sexual assault, or oh, uh,
0: reputation? reputation? Reputation. A reputation okay. for
1: not being, uh, not being the best uh, groups when it comes to uh, upholding uh, upholding women in, in in the best regard. So, okay. let's say you get a fraternity party and uh at a frat house and you walk okay. into a room and you see one of your frat brothers as this um sugar warning you see you see one of your fraternity brothers sexually assaulting an unconscious woman okay he's in your same fraternity right now yep. what are you going to do are you going to stop it are you stopping right there
0: yeah you going to yeah. stop him
1: right cuz mm-hmm. i i i i can Comfortably say, I know your character. That's why I actually do this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So
1: you're gonna stop him. Yeah, and uh, not not only that, I feel like you you like me would would also report this because that okay. that's all the way fucked up. Yeah. And who knows? Because if if you try to cover it up, what's gonna happen? Yeah. It could happen again, yeah. right? Exactly. And then now, as if it happens again, you feel like you are uh, complicit in it. Yeah. So I I say that to say that the same thing happens with officers. Maybe to the same degree because, again, your life is on the line when you go to work. But what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And what what bothers me is when I'm having conversations with actual police officers and they say, well, this happened in Minnesota. What's going to happen when the cop in in Georgia or the cop in, in Texas now, fare for their life when they go to work, and I'm like, yes, they're going to fare for their life, but what about every day when when black people leave their house and they fare for their lives from the police officers, and no one is saying, well, just yes, there are some bad black people, but the majority of, of people, black people, are are good people, right. just like this. Bad by
0: people,
1: but white people don't leave right. the house thinking that. Well, if I get pulled over, I'm going to get shot today.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, today, um, you know, I don't want to veer too off, too far off of the conversation that we were having. You know, because truthfully, I feel like a lot of the points that you're bringing up, you know, we could kind of really unpack for the next hour or two, uh, if I'm being honest. Uh, You know, I think your example is a fair one. Uh, However, I do think, and you even alluded to this while you were talking, that the degree is different. And I think that degree difference is something that uh, should not necessarily be taken lightly when we're talking about these two different scenarios and you know one of the things that stood out to me in the the statement read by the seattle uh uh, you said police chief i think it was right yeah yeah one of the things that stood out to me is and it's something that i've heard from my family personally and it's that everyone has the right to go home okay now We're saying everyone. That means citizens and officers included. And as, I don't know, difficult as it is to really kind of accept this, reflect on this, think about this, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's survival, right? And I think that people are going to always serve their own self-interest first. Now... Is that in any way excusing the behaviors of, you know, this officer Shavin who, you know, killed George Floyd? No, because I think that anyone who sees that video can say that your life was not threatened. You were not in danger. There was no, you know, you weren't in a position where um, you would need to use excessive force to ensure that you are able to go home and see your family at night. And that's kind of where... Uh, the difference uh, is seen, right? It's like, it's one thing to be, you know, out doing your job and feeling afraid. And then when that fear is gone or you're just in a situation where it's for y'all and you can de-escalate, that's exactly what should be done. And so I appreciate the statement that the police chief made, you know, saying that they're trying to make the necessary efforts uh, in training and you know, de-escalation and things like that, because that's really a a tangible step. But I don't want to lose this idea that there is a very real psychological and primal instinct that people just want to live. Whether you're an officer, whether you're a citizen, whether you're anybody, people just want to live. And when you take life, it's going to trigger a lot of really... uh, Sharp emotions for everyone, and so you know, I, I don't necessarily want to go too deep into it because you know we can kind of get back to our conversation at hand. But you're you're right, man. Like it is not. It is. I think we would all like to believe that when people see something wrong happening, that those that have uh, the ability will say something and do something. And I think we also can recognize that, unfortunately, so so many people don't do that, and maybe yeah, that's the and, that's and maybe issue. that's and maybe that's the real problem that needs to be addressed. What's it called? Okay. The
1: blue wall of blue wall, blue,
0: blue wall of silence, or
1: whatever.
0: That's it's called. that's that's yeah. looking at just police, right? But that's that's across the board in any sort of group, man. Like, yeah, but if I'm being honest, like it, it, it's it's a real thing. But my thing is. Yes, that's across the board, but
1: this particular group has the power to take life, and has the government on their side when they exercise that that power. Yeah, and that's where it comes. That's that's my issue. Like, if if police officers were held accountable when they do murder people, then uh, then you know a lot of these conversations would wouldn't be wouldn't be necessary. These these protests wouldn't be necessary. Just just treat like if a black I think I brought this up if a black person kills a black person, they will go to jail. Yes. If a police officer unlawfully kills a citizen, they should also suffer the same consequences. Not no slap on the wrist, not no sure. not no firing or yeah. or paid vacation. They should right? suffer the yeah. same. They should suffer the same exact consequences. Like yeah. you have people's, you have people's life literally in your hands. Yeah. And I don't know. I just feel like too often, like that the the life of certain people, black people, aren't aren't appreciated the same way as other groups. Well, yeah. I mean, like you said, you know, this could be its. Its own, its own podcast.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: But one thing I kind of wanted to touch on is before we kind of get out of here, is like now, like you know, it's been like a couple days since, um, you know, we've watched the video and seen the aftermath. You know, uh, Doug Chauvin has has been fired. All all four officers been fired. Doug Chauvin has been uh, charged with murder. We found it out before we started rec- recording. So yep. hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll go through, um, you know, the, the, uh, go, like, jump through the hoops of, of the trial and all that. And to be honest, I don't still have much faith in, uh, a just, um, a just verdict, to be honest. Uh, I've seen officers get tried and get off before. Uh, but what are your feelings right now?
0: What are my feelings right now? Isn't that always just a hell of a question? What how are you feeling? Um I hate to see um everyone hurting. I'm hurting, you know, like my mom. You know, I've had long conversations with her. She's hurting. Um, I don't really have much optimism, to be honest. Uh, and I don't know. Maybe it's because it's still fresh, it's still raw that, you know, you're going to have to go through that work of kind of building yourself back up. But um, the one thing that I'm trying to. Put my energy towards is some sort of a cause or some sort of a thing outside of myself that um, can make a difference or make an impact. Um, Trying to figure out what that is isn't always easy. Um, And if there's anyone out there that does have something that they are doing or they are working towards or wanting to build and grow, like share it, man. Like share that. Um, but I, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of lost, man. You know, I, I I can't sit here and say that I think of any America any differently than I did a week ago. The country, our country, I can't say I think of it it's any differently because shit, like, it's another week, man. Like we're in the middle of a global pandemic and motherfuckers are still out the outside the house wilding. Fuck, fuck, you supposed to do with that, right? Um, but if I am going to try to take anything and be optimistic, it's going to be um, in search for something outside of myself to provide value or something of substance to those around me or uh, to a greater community. And that's really where I'm at. What about you?
1: Uh, like you, I don't think of this country any differently. I've always been, I've always had this this uh anti-patriotic notion uh just patriotism in in general i think is a stupid idea or uh, because like you're saying your country is like the best in the world just because you are happen to be born in it like you could have been born anywhere but you were born there and, like so now your country's the best but um i never like i don't know if we talked about this on the show before but like my i growing up like my favorite Subject in in school was history, and it still is like I love I love I love history. So, uh, I, I'm always going to like try to absorb anything around Black history. So I know what this country is and how it feels about people who look like me. So this doesn't change how I feel, but yeah, what I do know is, um, I've I've come to the realization that. I'm not going to die in this country. Like I I You said you're not
0: you're not going to die in this country.
1: No, I'm not. I'm leaving. I don't know when it's going to be, but I'm definitely leaving this country. I'm I'm out. Um yeah. Uh I was talking to a friend. I'm not going to share her name because I don't she I don't want I didn't talk to her about talking to, about our conversation. Sure. But uh she's like me, you know. Uh both my parents were born in Nigeria. Uh, they emigrated uh, here. born. She was born here. Um, but a couple years ago, she's like, you know, I'm tired of this, and I moved back to Nigeria, and, and she's been living in Nigeria for a couple years now. Uh, wow. Uh, so I, I kind of, I know I've been reading a lot this episode, but I kind of wanted to share something that was kind of really powerful from her page. Um, okay. It says, uh, the day I lost hope in America. Uh, hope in America left me the day Eric Garner's murder Murderer was acquitted. I remember that day clearly. I was traveling to Florida for work when the news came in. As I stood at the baggage claim, I looked around and everything appeared normal. There weren't whispers or people huddled around the, TV, the TVs showing the news. It was as though nothing had happened at all. Then I saw a post of the white folks at my alma mater celebrating the acquittal. They decorated the trees at the center of campus and were cheering. I kept turning over the facts in my head. The murder was captured on camera. He'd done nothing wrong but tried to sell some Lucy's. Obama was in office. None of it mattered. America was laid bare for me to see that day, and all hope left. I called my dad from the taxi stand and told him I needed to figure out how to leave the country. Trump, a manifestation of America in its truest form, was elected into office two years later. A year after that, I left.
0: I've- hey, that that uh, that uh manifestation of America line, Talk hey, to. listen, like, you know, there was something I heard someone said, it's like, Trump is not the president we want, but he is the president we deserve in the sense of every single, you know, every single person that has chosen to either feel that way or allow someone else in their present to feel and act on those feelings in that way, you know what I'm saying, like... Like, yo, that's what happens. Like, that's what happens. Yes. When you allow something toxic to grow, it only manifests itself in a way that hurts others. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. it's blatant. It's in your face. It's unapologetic. And that how ha- that's how many people of color have seen racism in this country. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, so now that everyone else gets to, you know, take a peek under the hood and see what the fuck it looks like. You know, hmm, shit's not so cool anymore. And... You know, I hope we sort of wrap up after this, but, you know, one thing that I did see, uh, that I, I really loved, it was from, um, funny enough, it was from, it was a Facebook post from the pastor of the church I went to growing up. And he said, um, he said, Hey, black people, uh, I hope y'all stay this angry until November. Um, and we can have a whole conversation on voting and, you know, the presidential election and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, if you believe that you can only do what you can with what you have, shit. Make your, make your voice heard on the ballot box, amongst other things. But yeah. I mean, you know, we'll
1: see because, I mean, gerrymandering and suppression, sure. voter suppression is still a thing. It and is. I, I just don't think I just don't see this country getting any better. Of course. Um, And one thing I will, I look back fondly of is, you know, I've been to Nigeria a couple, I don't know if you've ever been to Africa, but I've been, you know, it's, it's, it's a different feeling, like stepping off of a plane and being in a majority. And like, you know, interacting with people and not having like your race always at the back of your mind in those interactions. It's just a very freeing, like, place to be um yeah. and even even if i leave for a while i just i just need a break uh, i just i just need it for
0: <laughs> but uh, you know,
1: that's how i'm feeling now
0: folks I, is I, tired I, I, dog i want to leave we tired dog niggas is tired dog
1: and then one last thing i was you know i was i was you know talking i was kind of Kind of flushing out my feelings about this with Callie. and you know, and she was like, you know, but that's you know what, that's what they want from us. They want they want us to leave, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. You won. You, like, race like people, you you, you you won. Like, in this I just sh- can't. struggle won. with that. And, I and struggle then, with that
0: one. And then, I struggle and then, with that one.
1: I mean, not 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 literally one, but as far I mean, as you, but you, kind you of though.
0: Yeah, but kind and of then, though.
1: But then, did they really want us to leave? Because. Like I said, I'm a student of history, and I've read books about the Great Migration and how Black people were so tired of the lynchings and the racism in the South, they started moving and migrating to the West, to the Midwest, to the North. Mm-hmm. And then white people in the South started passing laws saying, you can't leave us.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, But you hate
1: them, though. But you but you want them around you? Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. But either way, um, just a thought that I had.
0: Sure. No, that's real. That's real. So, um,
1: Yeah, I think... I think, you know, we don't want to make this too long. We're going to go ahead and kind of wrap up here. And then, you know, uh, if you if you guys had listening, you guys have any thoughts that you kind of want to share with us about how you're feeling around what we talked about today or just your feelings in general. Um, go ahead and send us an email. Um, summer16podcast at gmail.com or send us, you know, uh, you can always hit us up on on Instagram, summer 16 pod are on Facebook, the Summer 16 Podcast. So um, we're always looking to engage with uh, our listeners, and we appreciate you know any feedback. So uh, lastly, as we always say, we're trying to grow um, our podcast. So if you are feeling compelled and want to um, donate any money to our cause, uh, uh, Cash App, dollar sign, Summer 16 Pod. Uh, and with that, you know I want everyone to to stay safe, um, do something for you this weekend, uh, to kind of improve your mental health. Um, be a friend. Uh, if you're, if you're white, be, try to be an ally. Um, And with that said, uh, we will see everyone on, on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, yeah, man. And and if I can just throw, you know, my two cents in there, too, man, like, um, we appreciate everybody just, you know, giving us the time today, listening, hearing us out. Uh, we recognize that obviously we're talking from our experience, you know, our black experience in this country. But, you know, a lot of people of a lot of different races are feeling a lot of different things. And so, you know, you said it perfectly, man. Be a friend. To somebody that looks like you, someone that doesn't look like you, someone who agrees with you, someone who doesn't agree with you, man. Just, you know, tell somebody you love them, man. You never know what tomorrow's got for you. And we live in a crazy fucking world and a crazy fucking time. So y'all be safe out there. And, you know, maybe it's another good reason to stay stay in the house. (laughs) Yep. All right, y'all. We out of here, baby. (laughs)